Hello, Sowing and Growing faithful. We are right in the middle of our Pray Like Paul series. Last week you heard episode one, and this week you get to hear episode three. And I'm not a math major, but I do know that two is supposed to come before three. And the reason why you're listening to episode three today is because we had trouble with the audio file for episode two, but we'll make sure to get that fixed so you guys can listen to it. But in the meantime, you're just going to have to enjoy the next episode, uh, which is three, and it's a good one. So thank you again for listening to our podcast. Let's get started. You're listening to the Sewing and Growing podcast and radio show with Jay and Jay. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good middle of the night to our new creation church family, which I really believe is probably predominantly who listens to this podcast. Yes. And if you're outside, not of our bubble, but our local church, why don't you let us know? We'd be interested to know who's being reached by this podcast. We know that Agape Life Church, I think that's the one in Arvada. Our man, yeah. Mr. Varland, is listening. Yeah. He's so encouraging. He He's probably he one of the us, only guys who lets us know. He is the only guy that lets me know on a regular basis uh, what he's getting out of the podcast. And he'll even add what he got out of it yeah. and what he would add, he which I really like. gives us his wisdom of the day. I love yeah. that. That's awesome. Yeah, no, it's been good. We got we were growing in faithful listeners slowly. Yeah. But slowly. Um, there's, on average, about almost 80 people who listen to each episode, which is cool. And we realize this, you all love guests. We're going to bring yeah. back some more great guests. We were just talking about a possible guest. We can't reveal that right now, no. but we're excited about one. this one. Yeah. We think it's going to be good. And I'll tell you this, a little insight about me. That's like my dream job. If I could just interview people all day, every day, and bring out the wisdom that's in them and just help facilitate that, that would be like a dream really? job for me. I know you're like, John, no. I thought you loved ministry and stuff. Yeah. I do. No, I get it. Like your dream job, if you weren't already doing your dream job of ministry. I just love it. Yeah. yeah I mine love would it. be an automotive journalist. Which is pretty much Top Gear or what? Pretty much, yeah. Or a Foley artist. Foley artist who makes before. noises that... I know, it sounds so silly, but people who make sound effects for the movies, I just love that. And we've had to make certain videos here at the church, and I'm like, the audio was terrible. So if you were at Stantall Men's Conference... The first year we did the boxing video. Yes. Like all of the sound in that video is made afterwards. Like all the punches and the breathing and the, oh, and like the rattling of the chains, like all that stuff I had to do in post-production. And you liked it. And I loved it. It was so fun. Well, what I was going to say, and we're going to engage a little bit on this, and I'm not even sure if everyone's going to be okay with me even asking these questions. You don't even know about these questions I'm going to ask, but I'm going to go there. We've been talking about the word of God. And yes. how we actually treat paper Bibles. You brought, you still have on your table. Last week you had yeah. your great grandfather's Bible from the 1800s. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Uh, but how you treat the Bible. Right now I have a Grease Monkey <laughs> discount in the back of my Bible and I have for about three weeks. And part of me feels like that's not right. Do you think that's okay? I'm going to use it today. Is it a bookmark? Oh, no, it's not. It's it, in the back. It's, it's in the literally back a where discount. The maps are. <laughs> it's a discount, but I haven't lost it. No. Is that really rough? I don't think so. All right, here's another one. I'm going to present a couple, and you can think about this too, audio listeners. Uh, I know of this guy. I've actually met him, and he's got a new church. And when they were getting ready to build their church, what they hope to be the church, they just have the foundation. They took a Bible, put it in the concrete, and then poured concrete over the Bible. Mm. Too far? Acceptable? (laughs) 
obviously we're not the authority on this. We don't have the final word, but we have a word. I like a like it's almost it's almost love, but not love. Like the right, principle not- behind it, because yes. you're building upon the word of God, which is the foundation. Is it a little irreverent? It's for you to decide, audio listener. When this happened, <laughs> another church heard about it from like four or five towns over, contacted somebody out. who knew that pastor and said, did he literally just put Dig it a paper Bible in concrete? That's how you, des- like, they were super angry. And I'm like, too far. Hmm. You don't need to rat. We got other problems yeah. to freak out it's about. It's like the YouTubers who literally make all their money, and that's why they make the videos, because they get monetized about dissing other ministries. And I'm like, you, the kingdom of God needs to be built, brother. And you ain't doing it. How about when... I'll some- say this, though. At youth group, I was talking, you know, the famous song, the B-I-B-L-B... <laughs> B-I-B-L-E. <laughs> yes, that's the book for me. I stand upon the word of God. I put it down at youth group and I stood on top that's, of it. That was going to be my third scenario. What about oh. when people actually physically stand yeah. on the word of God? Okay, I, it was a little shock and awe. It was, it was, you I know, our, our shoes, we go into public bathrooms, have urine on them, and then we stand on the word of God. Yeah. Is that, is that in the same category? In the moment, I was not feeling like it was a bad idea, <laughs> but I did it. And I don't know. How about this? Say you have tons of Bibles. They aren't your great grandfather's. Can you throw a Bible away? Ooh, man. That one I can't do. I just can't get, and I don't feel right about it. You stand before the Father one day about all the Bibles you potentially may have thrown away or stood upon. I try to find somebody I can get it to, take it to a used bookstore if I need to do that. But I can't get it thrown away. Off topic. But that was our time to wrestle with that. Hopefully it doesn't distract you from what we do want to talk about, which is our third installment of (laughs) Praying Like Paul. Part three. That's what third installment means, folks. Philippians 1. And we're going in order with Paul's letters. Yes. There's a way to remember. Like, is Ephesians first? Is Colossians first? Here it is. Yeah. Two different ways to say yeah. it. General Electric Power Company oh. or Go Eat Popcorn. Or God Eats Popcorn. Hey. One of them is a command. What if I don't want to eat popcorn? Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> well, does God actually eat popcorn? What's a no. fallacy? <laughs> but anyways, there's some ways to remember it. We're talking about Philippians. We've been silly enough. We've been silly for six minutes. Let's get serious. Let's get in the Word of God. Will you read yes. Philippians 1, 9 through 11? 9 through 11. This is a short prayer, but a good prayer. And an old prayer. So you can literally say it's an oldie, but a goodie. It says this, And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory of and praise of God. And I'll just make reference. If you actually go up to verse three, it kind of starts off of a prayer. But when we talk about the prayer of Paul in Philippians one, really, we really, we normally start in verse nine. So let's just get into it. And this, I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. It's talking about the love of God. Uh, We made mention in the last prayer, Ephesians three, that Paul made sure to pray 
about our inner man or our spirit man. Remember, we're three parts. We are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body. Yes. Oftentimes we get those backwards. Uh, we emphasize our physical flesh and its demands, its desires. We get emotional about what our flesh wants and then we forget about our spirit. But really, we are a spirit person. Mm-hmm. We have a soul and we live in a body and it's the strong spirit of a man. We mentioned this. Mm-hmm. Proverbs 18, 14, it's the strong spirit of a man or woman that sustains him in bodily harm or times of trouble. Uh, it's important. But again, he's praying for something that is the most foundational thing. It's it's the most important thing. It's mm-hmm. the love of God. Yeah. And he that keeps he would praying every more single and more in yeah. knowledge and discernment. What are some of your thoughts on that, man? Well, yeah, we talked last podcast how you will never really be able to understand its completeness, but there is more. And every single prayer, he's encouraging you to grow in it more, be rooted in it, abound in it, explore its depths, right? And just in in this one, that you may be, that you may abound still more and more um, in knowledge and all discernment. And I like, oh, wait, we're not in verse 10, right? Well, I was me, about to move into verse yeah, 10. Okay, before you Sorry, move into ahead. verse 10, go let ahead. me say this. I like that it says that your love may abound. Yeah. So what has happened here is this is not talking about the brotherly love where we get uh, the name of our city, Philadelphia, the phileo love. That's a brotherly love. It's not talking about an erotic or sexual love. It's talking about God's love, mm-hmm. agape love. But he's not saying, I pray God's love would abound in you more and more. No, he's saying you are a possessor of it, which yeah. means maybe... That that process of you praying and being able to comprehend with all the saints, what we just went over in the last podcast, check it out, that we're understanding more to the height, the breadth, the depth, the length. We talk about people doing well in business or in their employment when they take stewardship or ownership of something. Mm-hmm. Maybe we would do better with the love of God instead of just going, yeah, God's love. God's love needs to grow in me. No, we go, it's my love. Yeah. And I'm growing in it in these different ways. Right. Be owner of it. Take possession yeah. of it. Realize it in your life. Well, that's good. And, and I really love the word discernment here because discernment is being able to kind of see past the fluff and really make a decision about something, discerning what is right and what is wrong. It's really, I think of discernment as being able to navigate your moral compass in any type of situation. Um, so, being rooted in love, abounding in love helps you make those decisions, helps you discern what's from God and what's not from God. And so even in verse 10, it says that you may approve the things that are excellent. And that word approve, I think he's actually saying that you might even choose the right path. Yeah. You might choose what's excellent. But even just looking at the word approve for what we know it to be, to having something in front of you and you either say yes or no to it, that's a good thing and that's or that's not a good thing. It's a, a, you're making a judgment. And the, so I like that too. Um, when you grow in love, you're able to serve and make proper judgment on things that are brought before you and decisions that you need to make in life. I totally agree. Yeah. But we as believers that are growing in our faith, I can't necessarily that we're super strong believers, but hopefully we're being strengthened as believers. We're like, yeah, that's what love does. But it's so opposite of what cultural love is. There's a saying, love is blind. Yeah. This is totally saying that love is not blind. It's actually the barometer by how you should make decisions yeah. and you can grow in it. And that's the way to decide on things. Mm-hmm. And there's this mm, temptation <laughs> and difficulty that we deal with as a church to describe love to a world 
but not let their worldly understanding of love be the love that we're trying to display. For yeah. example, 90s, there was a bracelet that came out. What would Jesus Four do? letters. What were they? WWJD. What would Jesus do? Yeah. Now we move to the 21st century, and there's a new bracelet that came out about that. Do you know what that one says? What would Jesus actually do? No, it was oh. HWLF, and that's what it says. He would love first. But yes. I say that to somebody in the world, that's going to mean something totally different because yeah. their understanding of love is different. But the world's going to think about love what it's going to think about love. The real question is, as believers, mm -hmm. are we going to be able to separate, sanctify our mind, pull it apart from what world has conditioned us to, for love to be, to get God's understanding of love so that we can make decisions, not by what the world and culture's pushing us to make decisions by, but the transforming love of God. The world says that love is blind. Actually, love isn't blind. Infatuation is blind. Mm. But the love of God will cause you to make spiritual decisions. And I just think that's an important distinction to make because really, it's like the antithesis. It's the exact opposite. Mm. God is saying this love is the best way for you to make decisions. The world will be like, man, if you fall in love, mm -hmm. you'll make stupid decisions. Does that make sense? Totally. Is that fair to say? I'm uh, bringing this, bringing another scripture up here. So uh, it says that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. So I just think about how we made it personal at the beginning. He's not saying that you would abound in God's love, but your love. And I just think about your love walk, the way you treat other people. And I know this can mean a lot of different things, but this is just one way to look at it, being sincere and without offense. In, in your relationships with people, living a life that's sincere in front in front of God but in front of your brother and being able to live a life where you're not causing offense mm. all of that ha has to happen when, you know when you're presented with the situation where you could be offended or offend somebody else you need to discern what the right thing to do is mm -hmm. and that's love so I just love how he's painting this picture love's going to help you to serve you're going to be able to approve the things that are excellent choose the best path and when you choose that path you will live more sincere. You will offend less people and be offended less. And I just think that's really cool. Until the day of Christ. So it's just saying that it's not just a momentary thing. You know, and I'm really good at doing something for a short period of time. But it's very hard to do something for the long haul. But when you understand the love of God, it will help you be in it for the long haul. And I just think about love. Paul said it in 2 Corinthians that the love of God compels us or some translations say constrains us. And when I think about constraints sometimes you think that's a bad thing you know a, a seat belt but a seat belt keeps you buckled in and ultimately keeps you safe when tra uh, when there might be an like potential for an accident for you to be yeah, thrown that's out good of, thrown out of the vehicle it's what keeps you safe and so operating in love when you're dealing with other people you might think man i, I really just want to say this but the love of god is constraining you like a seat belt yes and you it, it will keep you safe if there's an accident or it will help you even avoid an accident. And I just so think, um, you know, we, we, we see that a little bit wrong sometimes, but there are constraints in your life that are absolutely good and absolutely necessary. And when I'm dealing with people, when I want people to taste and see of the goodness of God and to experience his love, that means his love in me is going to constrain me to not say certain things and even compel me to say some things that might even be hard, you know, because love I think I heard this. I can't remember who said this, but love, a definition of love is doing what's best for that person or what's best for the situation, even if it's hard. Um, 
you know, if I love you, I'm going to, you know, if you're, if you're heading down the wrong path, I'm, my love for you is going to tell you about that. That might be hard for you to hear. It might cause a little friction, but that's what true love is. Mm. You know, the love isn't acceptance. Love isn't tolerance. Love is choosing the best thing for that situation, for that person in that moment. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Um, So it compels you, but it also constrains you. So it's this force that's pushing you forward, but also holding you back. It's just, it's, I think it's also wisdom. I mean, it's just, you know, I don't think we ever talk about love being wisdom and wisdom being love, but operating in love gives you wisdom on how to navigate situations. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, that was, I was rambling. That's uh, okay. This is a, this is a spot to ramble. When you have an experience and you don't think that you're in an experience, <laughs> he's referencing this Instagram reel where this guy had mentioned when you really think you're saying something profound on a podcast, and he said, "When you have an experience, and that experience is totally an experience, that's an experience." And you bro. don't realize you're an experience until you get to that crossroads where you got to experience, and maybe you, the decision's A, but maybe the decision's also B, or it could be one, two, three, and it's just he's just rambling. And but he yours was it, not that. Okay, I well, want to I I affirm you and tell you it wasn't that. When you were talking you. about how love does things that are better for the other person, but maybe not easy for you, it brings me back to the most foundational scripture that we see in stadiums, John three sixteen. Yeah. For God so loved the world that he gave his only yeah. begotten son. Talk about love motivating you to do something that's not easy for you, but better right. for the other party. God giving of his son for somebody else was not what was easy, make him feel warm on the inside, but it was love's decision. And it was the most excellent thing that could have happened. No greater love, right? Half a man. Then he would lay down his life for his brother or his friend. Yes. Loose translation. (laughs) Hard for the person who's operating in love. Very beneficial for the person who's receiving it. And I like that you had made mention of the fact that it says that we would be sincere and without offense. Because half of that, I believe we get. We Mm -hmm. get the part that says that when we operate in love, uh, maybe we won't offend others as much. Because lovers, you know... Hey, you're not going to do something that might hurt somebody. But the part where it says that we wouldn't be offended, people don't buy. Like, man, if yeah. you're a lover, you're going to be pushed over. You're going to be offended. You're going to be soft. You're going to be weak. But man, again, that's antithesis to actually the love of God. It mm-hmm. keeps you soft hearted. Yeah. That's moldable. That when somebody pushes, man, they can't take anything from you that you don't give. And if you give it to them, man, it, the, your heart's strong. You don't offend others and you don't get offended by people. You can't rely on natural love because the enemy will be like, come on, you've done that love thing, but yeah. you haven't done God's love thing yet. You haven't gone that deep. Yeah. When you go that deep, you are in a spot where you can't be offended. Good, good stuff, man. That you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise to God. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness. Again, we sing this song as kids, right? The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Do you remember that song? I don't remember the song, but I know the verse. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's kind of rough because I can't tell you exactly where that verse is right now, but I can say the song. Galatians 5.22. Galatians 5.22. Those are the fruits of the spirit, but those are the fruits I think he's talking about being operational when we are abounding in love, right? These fruits, I think maybe I could be wrong. Hey, we're, we're, the bound, first we're fruit, engaging with the scripture. The right first now. fruit is it. love, love, joy, peace. But I feel like all the other ones are just components of being able to walk in love. People have said that. I think if you look in the passion translation, 
if you look at the passion translation, passion, I was like just in Wisconsin or something. I don't know what happened. If you look at the passion translation in a digital version where it allows you to look at footnotes, it makes mention of that. It doesn't say fruits of the spirit. It says the fruit of the spirit is love. And within love, you have joy, peace, patience, Mm. goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are different aspects Mm. of that. What I'm thinking of is this, the fruits of righteousness We think of righteousness often as right behavior, but that's only the third aspect of righteousness. What righteousness is, if you look at the definition, and Pastor Mark has taught this very well, is righteousness is right relationship that produces right character that eventually turns into right behavior. For example, I remember when I hung out with Pastor Jonathan at first, I was spending time with him. I had a right relationship with him. We enjoyed spending time together. Next thing I know, my character was being affected. Or let's just start off, not with character, my musical interests were being affected. (laughs) He introduced me to Christian metal. I didn't listen to Christian metal before him. Now you listen to it more than I do. Now I listen to it more than him. My behavior was affected because of my time with him. That's the progress. But listen, if you're not living a life of love, you're not going to be operating in that right behavior. So when Mm. I read fruits of righteousness, I think the fruit that comes with being in right relationship with Jesus, and you can't have a fullness of that relationship with him without having that love in demonstration. Mm. That actually, it makes more sense because he is saying fruit of righteousness. And I just went, I totally glazed over that and went to fruit of the spirit, but it all, you tied it all together. In a nice little God brings it together, brother. God brings God it together brings the increase. to the glory and I praise plant, of God. You water, God Are you Apollos? No, I would be Apollos. You'd be Paul. <laughs> I wanted to be Apollos. Oh. Okay, you can be Apollos. His name's cool. That's a cool Can name. I be Priscilla? Is that the girl? I don't know. I think it is. Aquila sounds more manly. Okay, even though it's I don't want to be the girl. I'm gonna be I wanna be John Pichinotti and who God made me to be. <laughs> Let's to stop God. with that. Yeah. You need to be you. But Let's talk about the fruit of righteousness. What I mean, that can be so many different things. It includes the fruit of the Spirit. But if we look in the past, we're dealing with offenses. We're dealing with making the right decisions. That's where the rubber hits the road. That's mm-hmm. the daily life. And sometimes we get lost in that muck and mire. Like, oh, man, this is happening. I'm having to deal with this in my family. Why is that person doing that? That's stupid. Oh, I have to make this difficult decision. God, what would you have me to do? But if we go through that and we grow in the love of God, we're going to notice that What's being produced from these moments is the fruit of a person that has been with Jesus. Acts 4.13, the high officials of the Jewish synagogues, when they pulled, was it Peter, James, and John into the synagogue, said, these people are not very educated. They may be like swamp people. They may be (laughs) unrefined, but we know that they have spent time with Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's what I want to be said with me. Yeah. I remember I had a memory, I think from 2014 or 2013, and it was on Facebook. It said, more Acts 413 in 2013. And <laughs> what I meant by that is I want people to recognize that I've spent time with Jesus. Yeah. I think that's what the fruit of righteousness yeah. is. And just going back on to what we hit on a little bit earlier with what Pastor Mark was saying about positional righteousness, uh, affecting character, affecting behavior, and just positional. And, and John Bevere really touches on this very well as well very well as well <laughs> um positional righteousness and behavioral righteousness so when you are born again you accept jesus as your savior your position changes and that really doesn't change based on what you do but your behavioral righteousness so i like to think of it th- uh, this way i am my father's son and so that's really not going to change 
And so I have access to what's in the house. I mean, I don't live in the house anymore, but just this analogy. What's in the fridge is mine, right? I can go to him. Well, he's in heaven now, but I can go to him <laughs> and ask questions. I can go to him and get insight and go to him and get advice. I can experience the fullness of a relationship of him if I'm in the house. And that position is not going to change. I will never stop being his son, but my behavior determines whether I'm in the house or not. I can choose not to be in the house. I can choose to just do my own thing. And if I'm not in the house, that means I don't get to partake of what's in the fridge. I don't get to ask him. So that definitely affects my relationship with him. Position doesn't change, but my behavior affects whether I'm dwelling in the house or dwelling outside of the house. Does that make sense? I think that's a great, yeah. Um, and it shows how much you value your relationship with your father. If you value it, you'll go and spend time with him. And I don't yep. think this is as good of an analogy, but I want to do this one too. When we get engrafted into Christ, yeah, we get cut in as a branch, but I believe it changes the root of our life. Our root has now changed. We are new creations in Christ Jesus. Man, boom, new root. Mm-hmm. But one of the best ways to destroy a tree is neglect. If you don't water that root, it's impossible for the life to come up from the root and to change the fruit of that. A lot of times we think of righteousness as only the fruit, the behavior, but you have to acknowledge the root to get the right fruit. So, man, I've seen trees uh, don't get water. They'll die. Who would have thought? But it wasn't that they weren't producing fruit because the root was wrong. They just weren't engaging with the process of life that was designed for it mm-hmm. to produce the fruit. The purpose of having the position, the root of the tree, is to produce the fruit of righteousness, that's, the behavior. That, that's a great example. And let's you just, nailed it. I think we're almost done, but look at the end here. This is really the importance of it because we can go, man, if I was walking around like Jesus, man, maybe I would have the man that God wanted me to have if I was a woman, man. I, <laughs> someone would want to marry me. Or if I was a guy, man, if I was more like Jesus, obviously someone would want to marry me, and especially if I had the long hair and the perfect complexion that we see on The Chosen. I mean, Jonathan Rumi, I'm sure a girl would want to marry him. All these things we could go. We want to operate in these behaviors for our own benefit, but look at what Paul says. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Mm -hmm. The purpose of our lives is to shine light on him. I think of the person at the circus who comes out, they've got the striped pants and then they're like, please direct your attention to the, and then like, I think of that and I think that's what my life should be like for sure, for sure. Maybe for a brief moment because Mm -hmm. of my behavior, the light turns on me. But what I do with that, do I say, Move your sights to center stage to see the real display, to look at God, look at Christ. Just remember that let him who glories glory in the Lord, and really the light that shines us should just be directed back to him. I think that brings it all, I want to say back too many times, but it brings it back to the one who deserves it, God. That reminds me when you're saying the guy in the striped pants, he says, direct your attention to, there's a really old painting um, it's, I can't remember what century it's from. It's from a long, long ago, but it's by an artist named James Pedler. And it's a depiction of Jesus on the cross. And you see Mary there, you see John there. And all of a sudden on the right side of it, you see John the Baptist and he's pointing at Jesus. And you think, well, if you know anything about church history, John's been beheaded. He's dead already. But the reason why he's there in this painting is he's making this, this, uh, this parallel or this example as we as Christians, and I was actually at a conference and there was a guy, his name was Zach Hicks, and he preached on this and it was so good. And he said, as a Christian, well, he was talking to us as worship leaders, but as Christians, we are to be the finger of John the Baptist pointing to the exalted Christ. To the So that's the painting right there. Oh, very cool. Um, 
And so it just reminded me of that when you said the guy in the striped pants. Yeah. So we are always there to point and lead to Christ because that's what John's John the Baptist's whole ministry was, was preparing the way and pointing to Jesus. And so that was just cool that he included this in this painting, even though it's not historically accurate. It paints a beautiful picture that we are to be pointing to Christ. And I'm just thinking, we talk about the fruit of righteousness. Somebody plucks the apple off the our tree. Do they bite into it and they do they go, John, you're amazing? Or do they bite into it and go, God is so good? Yeah. And that's a sobering fact because the way we cultivate that fruit, it'll be have one of two flavors. Will they give glory to God or will they bring glory to you? Mm. Amen. Let's go into wisdom of the day. Unless you got more to say. <laughs> that rhymed. It was cool. But no, I don't. Let's go into the wisdom I, of the day. I can start. Yeah, it sounds it sounds like prideful to have your own wisdom of the day, but that's why I love these types of conversations because when you say something, it's, it sparks something new in me and hopefully vice versa, and you begin to draw more and glean more out of the word. Like I said, last podcast, engage with people over the scripture, read commentaries, get into the strongs. You will develop an appetite for breaking down the word of God. And so um, I, I just like what I said about uh, love constraining and also compelling you. So in eat, in whatever circumstance or whatever moment, whatever that moment is, whatever it calls for, uh, love is going to help you operate in that. Love will either compel you to do something that you know you need to do or constrain you from doing from not doing something that you know would be uh, detrimental to the relationship. And so love always does what's best for the person on the other end, even if it's hard for you and sometimes even if it's hard for them. But love helps you package it in a way that can be received. Um, so just letting the love of God abound in your heart and in your love walk. It's going to help you in your relationships, help you live sincere. It'll help you live without, hopefully without offending people and being offended by people. Very good, man. I like, again, I'll say what I just said, maybe just because it's so fresh in my mind, but bringing forth the fruit of righteousness and thinking that every part of my day, I'm either putting into this fruit that people taste my own glory or his glory. Just thinking of when people taste of the fruit of my life, will they say, John is so good? Or will they say, God is so good? And really as a child of God, at times, maybe my strongest desire is I want to be glorified, but my deepest desire that I want to make my strongest desire is that God would get the glory through my actions and the fruit that people taste of in my life. That's the wisdom of the day for me. Amen. Well, I'm going to go ahead and pray us out and I'm going to pray this prayer because it's good. Um, the prayer that we just broke down. All right, Father God, we just thank you for this podcast, this opportunity that we we get to have, we, we just get to cut our teeth against the word of God and, 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 and each other, iron sharpening iron, Father God. I just pray that uh, through all of this, even the silliness, Father God, that you would be glorified. And I pray that your love would abound in us and our love walk would abound, Father God, that we would grow in knowledge and discernment, that we'd grow in wisdom, that we would be able to make right decisions, godly decisions led by the Spirit of God, influenced by the Spirit of God, and made through the lens of love, Father God, that it would affect our relationships, our relationship with you, our relationship with the Word, which is you, but in our relationship with other people, Father God. We thank you that as we do this, we're filled with the fruit of righteousness, Father. I thank you that we have right standing relationship with you, but I pray that as we read this and apply it, it affects our behavior in a way that more uh, glorifies you on a day-to-day -day basis. So we just thank you for your word coming alive in our hearts and having an impact and an influence, a reflection in what we do in our lives. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. Amen. That's all that we have for this week, but we have our final installment of Praying Like Paul next week. So, hey, if you need to put a reminder in your phone to listen to this podcast, just do it, and we'll be back. You can count on us uh, to be with you next time on the Sewing and Growing Podcast with J&J. Thanks, everybody.